0: This is the Big Church Podcast. Wow, wow, wow. Sometimes you just need those days to just kind of strip it all away and not really worry about what everything looks like. But what an amazing time in worship this morning, and we're just so grateful to have you guys with us this morning. Four years ago, yesterday, big church turned four years old. Come on. We opened the doors of this place four years ago, and I'm gonna talk to you a little bit later on about the journey that started about 10 years ago. But uh, we're starting a new series this morning called Average Joes. Has anybody ever heard that term used? Man, the fog is so thick up here. Okay, let me move it out. Anybody ever heard, it's the glory cloud, my lovely Rod just said. But have y'all ever heard the the term Average Joes, right? What's well, a term used to use an average, ordinary person, a nine-to-five, everyday, middle-class, go-do-your-job guy. There's a bunch of uh, little sayings about it. it says that you, One is called Joe Blow, Joe Schmo, Average Jane or Plain Jane. Over the next few weeks, what we're gonna do is we're gonna unfold to you just some, I'm gonna be talking to you about some ordinary people that God did extraordinary things in their life just because they said yes to him. And when we're talking about this, this morning, I'm gonna start, in the next two weeks, we're gonna be talking about Abraham. And I remember when Refuge first started, uh, we were dealing, we were talking to high school kids. We had like 150 high school kids sitting all on a floor. We didn't have chairs. Come on, y'all, bless the Lord, touch that padded chair and go, thank you, Jesus, They were sitting on the floor, and I remember I started preaching, and I think I was preaching about Moses, and and I started talking about Moses and Joshua, and I'm seeing deer in the headlights. They're like, who is Josh? Oh, yeah, Joshua, that's that freshman that I pick on every week. Oh, Joshua, that's that guy that lives next door to Moses. Who in the heck is Moses? Who even names their kid Moses nowadays? That wasn't very funny, was it? (laughs) Any Moseses in the room out there? I did not mean that. But they were looking at me like, you know, who and who in the world are you talking about? And I had the realization to come to me to know that not everybody knows what you're talking about. I was raised in church my whole life, so when you start talking about Moses and Joshua and Abraham, all those things just start happening. But there's people out there that don't have any clue about what or who some of these people are. So over the next few weeks, we're going to kind of kind of unwrap those for you. But the title of my message today is Focus on your faith. Genesis 12:1, we're going to dig right into scripture. It says, "Now the Lord had said to Abram, get out of your country, from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation, I will bless you and make your name great and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those that bless you and I will curse those that curse you and all of the families of the earth you shall be blessed." Here we go. Abraham is about 75 years old at this time. He's pretty up in age, right? He's about to go into the retirement phase of his life. He's about to hang it all up. He's about to settle down. And, and what do you hope to be doing when you're 75? Resting. That's a good one. About that time, many, tell me, give me some more. What do y'all want to be doing when you're about 75? Don't be getting, don't be getting my, my next point here. But we hope to be at that time. Most of us are thinking about retirement. We're thinking about kicking back in a recliner. Oh, I want a recliner so bad in the name of Jesus. And We're thinking about walking on the beach somewhere. Can I get an amen for my beauty on the front row? Come on, we're thinking about taking naps. Naps are heavenly. It's in the Bible, I promise you. It's 1st Richard chapter 3. But God said... But God told Abraham, here's what he told Abraham. He said, get up, dust yourself off, and get ready for the greatest adventure of your life. Can I ask you this morning, are you still breathing this morning? Take a deep breath. Are you still breathing this morning? No matter how old you are, no matter, you're not too old to fulfill the things that God wants you to do. Sometimes we think our age limits us, and we look around at the young people and, and, and the, and the and the youth, and we think, I can't be used anymore. But let me just tell you something. You're not too old to start a new adventure with God. God is not finished with you yet. In fact, he may just be getting started with you. He just started with Abraham at 75 years old. When we hear his call, what we got to do is we can't take a nap. We got to take the next step. That's to, my, that's to me right there, yeah. Amen, sister. When we hear his call, we have to take the next step. So here, the adventure begins. But here's the thing about Abraham you've got to understand. Abraham's called the father of faith. But do, not, do you not know that Abraham is human? He's about to go on an adventure. And do you think that maybe he thought, man, what in the world am I doing? Or where are we going? And what am I going to do when I get there? What's my family going to think? All of those human factors came into Abraham. So look at Genesis 12.4. So Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him. And Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. That's his hometown. Faith is trust or confidence in something that you can't see. It's confidence in something or something you can't see. Faith works when you don't feel it, when you don't see it, but you go anyway and you obey. Hebrews eleven eight 8 says, By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out of the place which he would go to receive the inheritance. And when he went out, not knowing where he was going. When you live by faith, you often go to places you never planned on going to. Can you imagine? You start packing the bags, right? And your wife looks at you and says, Where are we going? And you look at her and say, I don't know. We're going somewhere. Then she said, you know, what are we gonna do when we get there? And you say, I don't know. We'll find out when we get there. Uh, when are we leaving? Right now. Pack up and let's get on the road. Sometimes you must listen and go when God says to go. Without knowing all of the details, faith, if faith had all the details and you knew every step of the way, faith, it wouldn't be faith. You probably will never receive all of the details from God. Isaiah 55.8 says this, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor my ways your ways, says the Lord. The Bible also says don't lean on your own understanding. So many times we think we know it all, we've got it all figured out, and God said don't lean on what you know because I'm about to change everything that you know. Not knowing all the details makes the journey exciting. But it also makes it stressful. Anybody ever been stressed out, not knowing where you're going? God ordered him to go. He didn't tell him where. He was leaving everything that he knew behind, his family, his culture, his, his, his ease. He had a lot of money. He, he, had a, he had a comfortable life there. But that's what faith does. And let me ask you a question. Does God still do this right now? Does he ask people to take the next step without giving them the details or the roadmap to get there? Jesus called the disciples. He walked out in there and he said, follow me. There was no details. There was no map. There was no nothing but a promise to follow him. And what did they do? They stood up, they took the next step, and they followed him. Little did they know, little did they ever dream that it would end on a cross. Never did they in their wildest imagination ever dream of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. They, th- they never thought they would be the leaders of a movement that would change the whole world. At one time they said, who are those guys coming in? Those are the guys that have turned the world upside down. They didn't know that when they dropped their nets and they followed him. They didn't know that they would do those things. They had no idea that even taking that step was eventually gonna end in their death. Paul had no idea. He was just chilling, riding down the road on his donkey. I think it was a donkey. <laughs> or his horse. And Paul was blinded on the road to Damascus. And what did Jesus do? Jesus told him. He says, "Get up. Go into the city, and I'll tell you what you must do when you get there." Little did Paul know that he was going to be a church planner. He was going to be a missionary. He was going to write over half of the New Testament. Little did he know that when God called him and he said yes, that was what God was going to do in his life. Ten years ago, sitting around a table, we had a vision of what God was going to do for the refuge. We had our vision. We were going, we even had it, wrote it down, and we made it plain, didn't we, honey? And we were sitting there talking to another couple, and he's a very prophetic guy. And if you heard this story before, you're going to hear it again. Um, And he's very prophetic, and he said, stop. He said, I see Thousands of young people around you. We both said, bless his heart. Because, listen, I had bought into what Abraham may have bought into. I thought, I'm 46 years old, and you're calling me to be a youth pastor? I'm not cool enough. Even though I'm pretty cool, I'm not that, that cool. But he called us. To start something. He called us to do that, which, which ultimately turned into big church. And you know what? You have to step out in faith right now because I remember when we first walked in these doors, we looked around and many said, this place is a mess. It was a mess. It needed a lot of work. But we had $25,000 saved up. Praise the Lord. That sounds good, don't it? From a youth church, that is really good. In six to eight weeks, I had spent all $25,000 of that money. And I remember having a meltdown in that bathroom, and a friend of mine was like, man, God's got you. And I was like, I don't know what we're going to do. I don't got any more money. I don't know how we're going to do this. But let me tell you what. God showed up, and he built my faith. It wasn't too much, too much longer. We started getting checks in the mail. We started getting contacts with people who said, I know your vision. I see where you're going, and I want to support that. It was Listen, it took faith, and it taught me how to follow. Listen, you can't follow Jesus and stay where you're at. And you can't go unless you leave. You can't follow Jesus without leaving something behind. Abraham left his homeland. He left his culture. He left everything that he knew behind. Peter and Andrew were standing at the boat, and all of a sudden, Jesus said, let's go. We're going on a journey. They dropped their nets. They dropped their livelihood, and they just followed Matthew, not only left his profession, he left his money. Thank you, Johnny. He left his money. So many people can leave something behind, but they have a hard time leaving that monetary thing. They had a hard time leaving that job behind. That God says, listen, I'm about to move you into a new place right now, if you'll just get up and go. But God... You don't understand. God said, no, no, baby, you don't understand. I'm about to take you someplace you've never been before. When you follow Jesus, you leave the old life behind. You leave that sin behind. You leave those habits behind or you're supposed to. Listen, if you're still working on it, keep on working on it because sometimes it's hard to break certain things that have been ingrained in you your whole life. That's not an excuse. That's telling you to keep up doing what you're doing. You leave those old sinful habits behind. And listen, sometimes you gotta leave those relationships behind. Sometimes you gotta let family go. Sometimes you gotta let friends go. Sometimes you gotta let places go. Abraham had to leave something behind and he had to stand on God's promises. His faith was being developed. Each step of the way, each place that he went, it was developing his faith in God to go take the next step. Why is it important to develop your faith? Because listen to me. The enemy will bring fear, and fear says, what does fear tell you? Fear says focus on what you see, focus on what you hear. The enemy will bring unbelief. He'll say, God's really not real. We live in a world right now where people say, God, that's just a myth. He's not really real out there. Or the other one is God is not good. Because if not, why is all the bad things happening in the world if we have a good God? He used to do those things back then, but he don't do them anymore. Can we tell you something? I serve a God that's the same yesterday, today, and forever. If he ever did it once, he'll do it again. The enemy will try to bring discouragement He'll try to bring disappointment to you. And he he tries to tell you that he can do it for everyone else, but he can't do it for me. I'm unworthy. I'm never going to be good enough. I'm never going to stack up. But let me tell you something. There's somebody that the enemy has told you God's forgot about you. I got news for you. You're right there on his radar. He's still writing your name down. He's still praying for you. He still knows where you're at. So let me tell you something. I'm speaking against that lie. He's not forgotten about you. But what does faith do? Faith says, I didn't, the Bible says, I didn't give you a spirit of fear. How many fear knots are there in the Bible? They say there's 365, but they've not confirmed that. I even Googled it. It didn't tell me for sure. Well, whether there's 365 or not, there's a whole bunch of them, and it's a whole lot out there. Faith says just believe according, the Bible says, according to your faith, let it be done. So many times in our life, we're wondering why we can't get to the next level, why things are not happening for us, or what, because according to your faith and how much you believe, you can attain what you believe. Sometimes the measure that God's looking for is the measure of your faith. Faith tells discouragement, faith tells disappointment, I will never leave you, or I will never forsake you. The Bible says all things work together for the good. All things, he didn't say some, he said all. Faith says focus on the promises. Hebrews 11, one says, now faith, I said this last week, we need a now faith. Now faith is the confidence in what we hope for, and the assurances of what we do not see. Don't lose focus when it doesn't make sense. Don't lose focus when you're not sure of the direction where God wants you to go. I picture God doing this. Like Mr. Miyagi in Karate Kid. Grasshopper, focus. Don't you remember that movie? All one, two, and three of them. He said, focus. And I'm say what God is talking to Abraham. He's looking at Abraham and going, focus. You're about to be tested again. There might be an Abraham in this room that God is saying, I want you to quit focusing on your disappointments. I want you to quit focusing on your circumstances. I want you to quit focusing on on the situations and start focusing on my my promises. What did he promise Abraham? He promised Abraham, first thing, children and descendants. So we're gonna find out how much testing he gets. You're gonna find out at the end of this series why he was called the father of faith. Genesis fifteen five says this. Then he brought him outside, God bringing Abraham outside, and he said, "Now look towards the heaven, and I want you to count the stars, if you are able to number them." And he said to him, "So shall your descendants be." And he believed in the Lord, and it accounted to him for righteousness. Abraham is called the father of many nations, and he says, "I'm going to give you as many children as there are stars in the sky." Abraham was seventy five. Sarah was 65, he promised them children, but she was barren, way past childbearing years, but they knew the promises of God. They knew what God said, and it was yes and amen, but after 10 years of waiting, she gave up. She did something that she was really going to regret. But she was doing it out of respect for Abraham because back in those days, children and descendants were were, were huge, and especially having a son. So she thought she was doing the right thing when she allowed Abraham to sleep with her servant. First of all, it's never a good idea to have sex with someone outside of marriage, outside of your spouse, but that's that's a whole message for another day. But secondly, trying to help God out It's never a good idea because you know why? He doesn't need your help. He don't need your help, I promise you. You've tried to help. How many times have you tried to help him in your life and all of a sudden you're like, man, I wish I'd let God take care of that one because I totally messed that one up. Amen. They had a dream and God had a plan. God's timing is not something we just say in passing. It carries a lot of weight. We have to wait. Those that wait upon the Lord. Don't try to take your dream out of God's hands. If they had waited for a child the way they were supposed to have been, they would have saved ourselves a whole lot of heartache and a whole lot of headache. It turned into a mess. We had a cat fight. We had two women that didn't like each other anymore after that. Imagine that one. Let's go on. A child was born. There was jealousy there was bitterness. There was competition. But let me tell you something. Before you start judging them, I want to ask you something. They waited 10 years. You can't even wait 10 minutes. We have a hard time waiting 10 minutes. Sometimes I, we talk about waiting, but I'm, how many times in your life, if something doesn't happen for you, when, right when you want it to happen, you think, oh, my gosh, oh my, I need to try to figure this out, or I need to go my own way. God, you must have forgot about me. If it doesn't happen now, we start believing like Sarah and we, turn, and we stop believing and we start taking it into our own hands. What do we do? What do we do? Sometimes our career is not going the way that we want it to go, so we take it into our own hands by trying to advance ourselves. How about our dreams and our aspirations and the desires that we want? When we don't see it come out and go full circle as fast as it should be, we start taking those things into our own hands. God says, wait to get married, and you just can't wait to get married. Y'all know what I'm talking about? It all flips out there, too. And then listen, I'm not throwing shade at nobody. I'm divorced, and so is my wife. But sometimes we get out of things faster. Sometimes we get out of things way too fast without allowing God to do the miracle he needs to do in it. I'm not saying that all divorces, uh, uh, that things sometimes just don't work out. I'm not saying that. But sometimes we just can't give up on something so soon. But what does waiting do? Waiting reveals who and what you're placing your trust in. The Bible says those that wait upon the Lord, what? Shall renew their strength. Waiting can build your faith. And if you put God first on the list, waiting builds strength. It builds character, it builds faith, and it tests your resolve. It lets you know that you are in it to win it. But here's the good thing. Even though they messed up, God was still faithful to the promise. I wanna tell you something in this morning. Even though you've messed up and you feel like you're a failure, God is still faithful to the promise. If he said it once, he'd do it again. If he said yes, it's yes. 14 years later, Sarah was 89 years old. God showed up and told Sarah, it's about time that promised child is coming. And you know what she did? She laughed. You know me, I like a good laugh. And God looked at her and said, why are you laughing? And they went back and forth and she said, I, I didn't laugh. Yes, you did. No, you did Yeah, yes, you did. She said, why are you laughing? Genesis eighteen fourteen says this. Is there anything too hard for God? I'm not reading the rest of it. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? Sometimes we have to ask ourselves if he could part a Red Sea, if he could raise somebody from the dead, can he not take your situation and turn it around for you? Is there nothing too hard for the Lord? Listen, when we stop laughing and we start believing miracles happen, when we start doubting and we start believing things change, God waited 25 years to fulfill this promise. He's saying, Abraham, focus on the problem. You know why? Because another test is coming. Abraham was probably like, yeah, I already passed two. How many, how many more you got for me, God? But he says this. He says, I'm going to give you land, and I'm going to give you territory. Genesis thirteen fourteen. he says, And the Lord said to Abram and Lot, when Lot had separated from him, lift up your eyes now and look to the place where you are. I want you to look to the north, to the south, to the east, and to the west. For all the land which you see, I will give to you and your descendants forever. I will make your descendants as the dust of the earth, so that if a man could number the dust of the earth, then your descendants also could be numbered. I like this part. Arise. Walk in the land through its length and its width, and I'm going to give it to you. Everywhere, Abraham, you're going to walk, I'm going to give it to you. How about you real estate people in the house? Wouldn't you like to have that kind of real estate? Don't you think you could subdivide every place you could walk? Y'all, that's a lot of land there. Abraham had to stay focused on the problem because he was going to be tested. And Abraham, verse 18 says, Abraham moved his tent. Say tent. God said, I'm going to give this, I'm giving you this land for the descendants and for everything that you'll ever have. When you buy a house, what do you do? When you buy land, sorry, what do you do? Do you pitch a tent or do you build a house? Tents are temporary. Houses are permanent. Abraham and Sarah lived in the promised land in tents for hundreds of of years. Imagine living out of a suitcase for a week. Y'all done that for a week? Imagine hundreds of years living out of suitcases and saddlebags and, and not, oh man, I couldn't, it's hard to do it for a week. Do you ever think that Sarah ever came to Abraham and said, hey, listen, we got a child, we're getting a little bit up there in age, we're getting a little bit older, we're seasoned can't we just settle down instead of moving every few weeks? And, and I know that that human factor had to come in there, but God told them to wait. He couldn't build yet because he had to wait. Why? Because God had much more for Abraham than just to settle where he was at. Remember, he told him to walk the land. He told him to possess the land. And everywhere that he walked, he was gonna give it for a possession to him. Many times God is wanting to keep us walking Because he's got more for us. He doesn't want us to sit around and feel sorry for ourselves. He says, get up and keep walking. But often we settle for what's in front of us. Or Or we forget this, that this is not our permanent home. We're only passing through. This world is not my home. I'm only passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open doors, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Don't you like some country music sometimes up in the place? That's my old roots coming out there right now. You can't feel at home in this world anymore because you know why? We are passing through this morning. God says, keep walking, and you got to keep waiting. How long did he wait? He waited his whole life. He waited his, the whole life of his sons and of his grandsons. Do you think the thought ever crossed his mind says, what are we doing here? We're strangers. Why don't we just go home? What kept them in the promised land when they could have moved back home? Faith. God spoke it, and they received it, and they responded to it. They never went back. We're gonna stay here no matter what. Even when the promise gets hard, even when the thing doesn't fulfill itself and you don't see everything in it, we're gonna stick this thing out. They believed that the promise was much bigger than them because they saw the big picture. I see people following Jesus all the time. For a while, they get tired. They get discouraged. They get bored. They get disappointed. And you know what they do? They give up. They quit. They quit. They lose their faith, and they go back to where they first came from. I'm telling someone in here this morning, don't give up, don't quit, and don't go back. There's nothing to go back to. Faith is what keeps you going when nothing else is working out. You got to remember what God says that he will continue to work as long as you are willing. He who began a good work in you is faithful to complete that as long as you stay in the process of completing it. If you would, stand with me, please. This morning, God might be asking you to step out this morning. He asked Abraham to step out of everything that was comfortable. He asked Abraham to leave his family, his culture, everything. Maybe God is asking you this morning to step out. And what that step might look like is a step of faith for salvation. As I said last week, we are saved by grace, which is a free gift. But it's through faith. You have to accept that gift to receive that gift. Today, I'm gonna ask you if all all heads are bowed with me right now all over the room. If you're here and you wanna accept that grace to be saved, I'm gonna ask you to do two things. I'm gonna ask you to step out literally and come to this altar and say, God, I'm giving you my life. Jesus, I, I come to you, I'm a sinner, I need a savior. I'm sorry for my sins, it's that simple. I'm gonna ask you to take that literal step up to this altar I'm gonna ask you if you don't feel comfortable doing that, take the connect card and fill it out. And say you need the next steps and take it to the next steps bar out in the lobby. We wanna help you go take your next steps. If you're watching online and you wanna take that next step, if you would, just drop in the comments and we wanna, be, we wanna partner with you to, to tell you how to take your next steps. I really felt this this morning. Sometimes we need to step out to get a healing. Pastor Rich, does God still heal people? Absolutely. Does he still do miracles? Absolutely. He's the same wonder-working God that he was then as he is now. Maybe you need a healing in your physical body. Maybe you need a healing in your mind. Maybe you need a healing from a hurt that someone has put on you or maybe a hurt that you've been carrying your whole life. I'm going to ask you to step out. These altars are going to be open for that healing. Here's the third part. Do you have a promise from God that you're hanging on to? Man, maybe you've been hanging on tooth and nail for that thing. Something you've been waiting on and wondering, God, why are you taking so long with this? I'm gonna ask you this morning to step out. If you still want your dreams, as they get ready to sing this song, let's flood these altars. And let's believe God that he's not done yet. You have breath in your lungs. He's not done with that. He told you the promise. He means yes and amen. So I'm going to ask you, let Sarah and Abraham be an example to you. Come on, you want something from God this morning? He's here. You want the Holy Spirit to move in your life? He's here to take whatever you need.